0: A posture of prayer with me this morning. Whatever that looks like for you if it's sitting down, if it's kneeling, if it's standing. Lord, every single morning I get to come in here early and pray over each one of these chairs and who might fill them. Lord, the people in this room are so special. God, they are are so gifted. Lord, a lot of us this morning, we are so burdened. Lord Jesus, and you have an absolute view of our lives. God, you have seen our week. You have seen what what has brought us here before we filled these chairs this morning. Jesus, I am so grateful for this family that you have given me. Lord, for this community that you have given us. Jesus, I pray over each one of these individuals, Lord. Lord, you know the prayers that they lift up to you this morning. God, I pray specifically, Lord, that you would show fulfillment of your promises that you have placed on us. Lord, that we would not be blind to see it, Lord Jesus, I pray that we can rest and that we can find solace in your presence this morning. God, that we can find courage for the fight. Lord Jesus, that we can find wisdom for the conversations we have to have. Lord, and that we might find the holiness that you call us to live. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us to hear your truth. God, we love you so much, and we ask that you would be about Anchor. God, that you would be about these people that sit in these chairs every single week. Lord, that you would be about their lives when they are not in the chairs, but they are out in this city. God, we pray that you give us opportunities to restore hope in our city. Lord, through our neighbors and our friends, God, through the strangers on the street, Lord Jesus, through our families, God, can we restore hope together? It's in the mighty and powerful name, our only living hope, the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. (laughs) Good morning. Oh, well, it is great to see all of you guys. Um, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Lindsay. I am the lead pastor here. Um, But I wanted to ask you this morning, have you ever tried like something new that seemed really easy and then you tried it and it was not? (laughs) Um, Maybe it was like an exercise that you always saw and thought, I could do that and then you try it, and you cannot do that, right? Um, have you ever tried maybe like a game with your family that seemed fun, and then you start it, and it's really complicated, and all of a sudden you're losing? Uh, ever that happened to you? Uh, for me, in my life, that was specifically ice skating, okay? Uh, now, you have to understand, I grew up in South Dakota, so ice skating is not just something you see on romantic comedy movies that you do and it's beautiful? No, this is much more than that. Uh, Ice skating was a way of life in South Dakota. Uh, From the months of October through May, you were, you had opportunities to ice skate all the time. You know, uh, if you wanted to get from your house to your car, welcome, an opportunity to ice skate. You know, uh, if you wanted to get from uh, the, the car to said building, opportunity to ice skate, and honestly, if you wanted to drive anywhere, the same principles in ice skating applied. And so ice skating was a big deal. And it was such a big deal that my my school taught it in physical education. Like third period PE class was ice skating 101, Okay, And so when I was in middle school, we started this lesson. And let me tell you what. I knew I was in trouble from the jump, Okay, I got those ice skates on, and they're like, Lindsay, you really need to start with some hockey skates. which I was like, all right, okay, whatever. And I strap them on, and I am making, no joke, from the bench to the rink that is not ice, I look like one of those baby giraffes, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> My ankles are giving way, and my knees are knocking together, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I am making my way there, and I have this wonderful friend named Caitlin, and she was like the star skater, you know? She zoomed past me. She somehow skated backwards. Um, she, she did twirls and she enjoyed it. Like, I don't know, like, and just level with me for a second. Uh, getting on a slippery surface with blades attached to your feet? How is that recreational? Uh, that sounds like a death wish, okay? But whatever, so I get on and I'm terrified and Caitlin comes to me and she says, today's the day. You're going to skate. And I said, okay. And I got visions of this like South Dakotan swan skating on the ice. And so I grab her hands and she skates backwards, holding my hands and her knuckles are turning white. And I am freaking out. And she says to me, Lindsay, just pretend like you're rollerblading, which would have been great but I can't do that either, okay? <laughs> and I said, she says, and I'm like, all right, this is good. I know how to do this. Like, this is not a slippery surface. I'm not going to die by these giant blades on my feet. I am fine. And we get to the point, and she looks at me, and she says, Lindsay, now's the time. You just got to let go, and you'll be fine. And I said, all right, yeah, that's fine. I'm just rollerblading. I'm rollerblading. And the second she lets go of me, and I hit the ice, I hit the ice, like, all of me hit the ice, like, face first, into ice. And I, like, army crawled, and I will scare you, or save you from all of the pain and blood of that moment, but I got off of the ice, and I wish I could tell you that this is, like, an under, underdog story, like, Lindsay started from the bottom, and now she's here. No, no, no. I took those skates off, I'd never put them on back again, Right? And there's a point to all this madness, and not just that the fact that you have a clumsy pastor, uh, but the point here is this: is that sometimes advice can sound really great. But that does not mean that it's great. Uh, rollerblading sounded really, really good. But in the moment let me tell you what that advice was lacking. So welcome to week two of Who Told You That? And we have been looking at Christian phrases that we have adopted. Things that we have said are true, and maybe we tell other people, maybe they tell us these things, but when we hold them up to scripture, they're just not true. And they they sound great, uh, but they're lacking. And this morning we get to uh, wrestle with a big one one that uh, we have probably told somebody in their greatest time of need, and that is this, God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, just out of curiosity, who has ever been told that? God won't give you more than you can handle. And I want to ask another question. I'm not going to ask if you said it. That would be cruel. Uh, (laughs) Anybody in this room say that they have felt like they are stretched pretty thin, that they have more than they can handle. A lot of us. And then, in the midst of trying to make things happen, not knowing what you're going to do, some well-meaning person comes up and says, listen, God won't give you more than you can handle. And and there's a problem with that. uh, Because in some ways, this is actually true. Uh, There's a verse in Matthew that I want to read for you this morning to start us off. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you, catch this, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And so Jesus promises a light burden, and there is comfort here that says you will find rest in my name. The problem with this this verse and how we take it is that sometimes we allow it to become a picture of Christianity that's just not right. One where we have live a life that's like covered in bubble wrap. Like, we experience difficulties, but difficulties just aren't that difficult for us because we're Christian. And it feeds this lie that God won't give you more than you can handle. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 10, where we will be most of today. And in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, we're going to read this and then I will unpack it with context, but it says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. And this is the moment when it sounds very close to the lie we're dealing with today. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So let's talk about what this passage is really saying. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this. And the Apostle Paul was no stranger to suffering. He experienced enormous amounts of pain. And in this moment, he is telling us that when you are under pressure, when you are feeling temptation, when there is a moment in your life where you say, you know, I, I could do what Jesus wants me to in my marriage, but I'm going to go my own way. I, I could do what Jesus wants me to do in my finances, but I'm going to go my own way. When we experience temptations, he says, do not worry, because the tempta- he will not allow those temptations to be more than you can stand. What he's not saying is, you're going to have an easy life, and you will not be overburdened. He says, trust me, I will not allow these, these temptations to overtake you. In fact, I will show you a way out so you can endure. Did you catch the difference there? It's subtle, and we can miss it very easily. But, and don't misunderstand me, following Christ is the most fulfilling thing that I've ever done. It is filled with joy and wonder and greatness. However, life will absolutely give you more than you can handle. Life will absolutely give you more than you can handle. You will have seasons of life where things happen and you have no idea how to deal with them. Where, where people will tell you things, where, where relationships will be broken, where families will struggle, where finances are tight, and you will have no idea what to do. And when some well-meaning person says, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle, it's hard, because we draw two conclusions that are very difficult. The first one is this, if God doesn't give me more than I can handle, that means God just kind of distributes pain and adversity. That everything in my life that hurts was given from Jesus. Ouch! And if that's true, what does that mean? about the God that I serve. The second painful conclusion that you draw from this is some emotional guilt. Because, man, if God doesn't give me more than I can handle, why can't I handle this? What is wrong with me? Like, I'm clearly broken. I don't get this. If I can't handle it, then clearly, like, there's something wrong with me. And that's not... Uh, This passage is not saying that. Like, will God give you some moments when you are overburdened? Yes. However, will he leave us abandoned in the midst of temptation? Absolutely not. And so this morning I want to debunk this lie. In order to do so, we have to lock in three truths. And the first one is this, and this is like your bright and sunny pastor, Lindsay, this morning. Human suffering is universal. (laughs) Uh, Human suffering is universal. Uh, uh, John 16, verse 33, it says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And we all know this. Like We all experience trouble and difficulty, and it does not matter how old or how holy you are. You experience trials and difficulty. And if we're lucky, like, we learn from them. If we're lucky, we learn from them. And I have some examples of some kids that have obviously learned from some trials, okay? This first one is from Sarah, who is age nine, and she said, never hold a cat and a dustbuster at the same time, <laughs> all right? Like, yeah, yeah, she obviously learned from some trials. Uh, Lauren, age nine, Felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Joel, age 10, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. All right? <laughs> Some of you guys need to hear that, All right. And the last one, Lindsay, age 27, never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> <Right>? Oh, wait. <laughs> never try to, don't do it. Been there, done that. Um, but we have all experienced some sort of suffering, haven't we? And sometimes it's self-inflicted, right? And other times, gosh, uh, yeah, I put that in there. Um, and other times, like, it just happens to us. Like, we're just a part of a world that is broken, and we're experiencing pain and suffering. And as much as I wish that I could say, like, guys, follow Jesus. Your lives are going to be so much greater. And, like, you won't have to experience any pain. I would be lying to you. I'm not lying about the baptism thing, don't do it, but I'm lying to you, I do not, that isn't true, uh, God will give you more than you can handle, and the problem with this is that we live in a broken world, and a lot of things aren't always caused by things that we have done to ourselves, like hold a cat in a dustbuster. Uh, They are caused because we live in a broken world. In Genesis 3, we we read this last week, it said that uh, when sin entered into humanity through Adam and Eve, uh, our existence was broken. Sin and death, they they run rampant around this world. And we live in a broken world, and there are consequences. And But the key here is that when we are navigating a broken world filled with hardships, sometimes it's like feeling the nuclear fallout effects of an atom bomb. No one's immune to it. Just because you are on this planet, you have some realities that you'll have to deal with, just to name a few. Uh, earthquakes, famine, crime, broken bones, broken hearts, grief, death, sickness, disease, loss, floods, fires, and I could keep going. And these aren't things that we have created or caused. They're just a reality of life. And in verse 13 it says, the temptations of your life are no different than what others experience. And the key here is what others experience. When you are in your weakest moment, the enemy would love nothing more Than to make you believe that you are alone, that no one understands your pain, and that no one gets your hardship. But this verse it says that there are no different than what others experience. And it doesn't mean that like our lives are just gonna be hardship after hardship after hardship. No. What it means though is that we're just not immune. You know, you're a Christian you can still lose your job, you know? Uh, you're a Christian, and you love Jesus, but you are still affected by natural disasters. You, know, you are just as likely to have family problems. You are just as vulnerable to mental illness. Every single week, I get to come in, and I pray over the things that are on our prayer board. And that prayer board is just a window into the pains and the heart hurts within this congregation. And within this small group of people, we represent a whole wealth of hurt and heartache. Of financial struggles, of family struggles, uh, relationship issues, sickness, death, loss, grief, providing. All of those things are real. And they are real parts of our life and in the midst of that you're going to say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle tell that to a parent that just lost a child and tell that to a young girl that was raped tell that to a family who was in the hospital every single day tell that to a spouse who didn't want the divorce and the spouse left anyway we have been given more than we can handle. And you and I have been given these, and we, like, I know you guys, we love Jesus. And I love hearing about how you are becoming more and more like him. But that does not make us immune to brokenness. And Paul, he talks about this, he was brought to his tipping point in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed, catch this, beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead. God let Paul experience more than he could handle. And the result was that Paul learned how to rely on God fully. Which leads us to our second thought, and that is that God is faithful. God is faithful. It is the first part of this verse in 13. It says, And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And if we aren't careful, when we read this scripture, we will become far too self-centered. And let me show you what I mean. This scripture is God-centered. It is about how God is faithful. It is about how God will supply a way out. It, will, it is about how God pushes back anything that you cannot handle when you are tempted. And yet, Man, what this is saying is that God is faithful, that he provides, and that he uh, watches over us. What it is not saying is that suffering is going to be convenient. Like, nobody comes to the altar, like, with their calendar and says, Lord, May is looking pretty good. You know, if you wanted to make it so that my life falls apart in May, that would be solid. You know, nobody looks at their schedule and says, okay, suffering, I have to take the kids to the dentist on Tuesday. If you want them to wait until Wednesday to throw me a curveball, that would be great. Like, nobody gets that right. And suffering, it does not care what is happening in your world. It does not care, like, what you can handle. In this phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, it assumes that God will not give you more than your current strength than your current capacity. And that is incredibly self-centered. That means that the creator of the universe, the author and the perfector of your faith, the guy that knows every single hair on your head, that guy, his plans, his purposes, his timing, is all based on your current status. Yikes. God wants us to be stretched beyond ourselves because when you reach the edge of your own strength, you will find that your strength is not internal. It is eternal. And it is found in him alone. Scripture promises it, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength and always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear When earthquakes come and mountains crumble in the sea, let the oceans roar and foam, let the mountains tremble and the water surge. Like, this psalmist is like, bring it on, world! (laughs) Like, my God is my strength and my refuge. And we do not come in contact with that until we reach the edge of our strength and our refuge. Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. See, so suffering is universal. Trials come in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes you will be overwhelmed and angry and confused. But hear this, sometimes life gives you more than we can handle, but it never ever gives us more than he can handle sometimes life will hand you the worst hand and it will be more than you could possibly handle but there is no dealing that the enemy or this world can give you that is too big for his grasp which leads us to our last point you are not alone. Verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure it. The truth is is that we all face these difficult moments. But when you are tempted, God says, "I provide a way out." God says, "I will be there." when you are at your weakest. But the reality is that that Satan would love to steal that. He would love to say, you're the only one that understands this. Man, you're the only person that has ever hurt this way. But the truth is, is that somebody in this room knows what you're going through. They have felt the same things that you're feeling. Uh, And folks, like, when you decide to live in that truth, your life will change. Listen, everything that we have ever learned about addiction and about sin is that addiction and sin aren't the opposite things of sobriety. They're the opposite things of community. Uh, that, That when we are experiencing sin and addiction, when we walk into the truth, that we can walk together with somebody else. That they will shoulder Our burdens with us. And sometimes that is the person sitting next to me, and other times that is Jesus shouldering it with us. You are not alone. See, bad things happen to us, but they do not have to define you. And there are two realizations that all of us will come to come in contact with in our lives with Jesus. And the first one is is that I cannot make it without God. And the second is I cannot make it without others. That my life sometimes feels like it is more than I can handle. And when you get to that place, let me speak truth into that moment. You are not alone. You have a pastor that, mercy, she can't skate to save her life. But she prays for you every single week. And bigger than that, you have a group of people that are rooting for your success and your happiness and your fulfillment in Jesus' name. And even bigger than that, you have a Heavenly Father who looks down on you and is cheering you on every single step of the way. You know, we started this morning saying, like, who's ever felt overwhelmed? And the truth of the matter is, is that we all have things that are more than we can handle. Let me give you some insider knowledge. Your kids, they're more than you can handle. Some of you guys like, preach it, you know? Uh, Your your family, they are more than you can handle. Uh, Your future, that is more than you can handle. Your finances, that's more than you can handle. Your addiction, that is more than you can handle. Your marriage is more than you can handle. And the key here is is that it's all about control. When we believe this lie that God only gives us the things we can handle, our fists are clenched. Kind of like my hands were gripping Caitlin's hands as she skated me through life. And we say, Lord, I can handle this. I can get this. I can control this. And the reality is is that we're going to miss out on opportunities to let him handle it. To let him control it. To let him have his way. This morning, I am going to end on a time of prayer. And I want to invite you guys into just a moment where you'd close your eyes with me and just think. um, Just think about the mountains that you have faced. The situations that may be overwhelmed. And I want to ask you a couple questions. How would you live your life differently if you knew God was going before you? How how would you change if you knew that God was fighting your battles? How would it change your world if you knew that he was praying for you and that he was interceding for you in words that you don't even understand? What would change about you if you knew that he had a plan and a purpose and a hope and a future with your name on it? Because that's how we face adversity. Eyes focused 100% on what he can do. As our own strength and our own might fade into the background. I want to invite you uh, to open your hands, palms up. A lot of times when we, we do this in service, we, we do this because we are expecting and anticipating God to show up. Uh, we do this in worship a lot because we are expecting and hoping for his holy presence to be alive and active in our building. And this morning, I want to end our prayer with that same scripture that I started. But, but this time end it in a new light that we are receiving this rest and this comfort from Christ alone. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light.